0: Hey everyone, I'm Steven Chiza, And I'm Jake Hadari. And before we start ki- episode two, we just wanted to let everyone know, uh, to all of our loyal listeners for episode two, that we have a Kickstarter right now, and you'll find a link down in the description. This Kickstarter is used to help improve our audio quality and also cover some of our other uh, costs around managing and running this podcast. And I- I'd like to take a moment to thank our first contributor, Jake New. You-
1: yep, so for our first shout out, uh, we'd like to say a big thank you to Steven Cheeza huh well
0: i don't think i can deny this that was me i did donate money to the to our kickstarter but it was just money in the tip jar so other people will be motivated to also uh help out on on the
1: podcast all right well if there are any other people out there who are also named steven chisa or any people who have the philanthropist spirit of steven chisa and you're listening to this before january 5th 2020 please feel free to donate to our kickstarter campaign thanks so much and on to episode two
0: Hi, I'm Steven. And I'm Jake. Welcome to Tales from the SAS Graveyard, where we talk to employees at tech companies that are in the middle of the bell curve, not going out of business, but definitely not hitting the big time. The SAS Graveyard is a purgatory populated by companies that have made it to annual revenues in the 25 to $50 million range, but can't get to the next level, which is pretty impressive outside of Silicon Valley, but frowned upon here.
1: We interview folks in various roles about their experiences working at companies like this. We're looking to see what common themes emerge across industries and roles. Today we'll be talking with my friend Colin, who's a web designer. For four years, he worked at a gaming company during a very transformative time, starting just a few months after the launch of the first iPhone. Now Steven, you're probably not old enough to remember there was a time we didn't spend every waking moment of our day looking at our mobile devices.
0: I kind of remember that time period. And I think the first time I really recognized smartphones was when I first went to college and all the cool kids had Blackberries. Jake, did you have a BlackBerry?
1: I was never cool enough to have a BlackBerry. Pre-iPhone, I had a flip phone. It did have a camera, it had a couple games, and I was like, why would they ever put this horrible camera, these horrible games on it? People want a phone to talk to people. They're not gonna spend their time looking at the screen. You know, you sound a lot like my dad when he first bought me my first flip phone, which was like
0: a Razer knockoff. Um, He would buy minutes for me to call and have him pick me up from school but like text messaging, no way. He wasn't gonna pay money for that. Why would anyone wanna text over some inferior keyboard that wasn't on a computer keyboard? And so all my friends would be able to text me, but I couldn't text them back until like I went home and logged back into AOL Instant Messenger from my big bulky des- uh, desktop machine uh, to talk to them. But I'm a much happier uh, cell phone user now with my iPhone 6S Plus, you know, still chugging along. And you know, I love my iPad, you know, it's just nice having control over my technology. And what I'm buying and purchasing, opposed to having dad do that for me.
1: Well, my dad still buys my tech, but he does buy me Apple products now, so it's all good. Um, And included, you mentioned the iPad as well, because that came out, that was launched while Colin was at this gaming company as well. And it really made a big change in how they develop games. And we're going to be hearing a little bit about that. And with that, Colin, thanks for joining us today.
2: I'm excited to be here.
0: Thank you. Awesome. So, Colin, the first question we always
1: ask people, uh, to answer is, can you
0: describe the company we're at, the SaaS company, as the Uber of X?
2: <laughs> I, I mean, it's so when I was there, it was over ten years ago, and it was you know it was just when smartphones were starting to get started. So it's it was a different era, really, in tech. Like there, it was before I even think that language of the Uber of whatever, or uh, it was at sort of the golden age of. PC downloading so we were trying to kind of be I guess the 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 on the, the on-demand the Amazon of PC games maybe I don't know if that's even that's probably overselling it but it was casual games and we it was overwhelmingly games that you would download play on your PC you'd pay twenty dollars for them uh, it was just you know it, it was a model a steam would be the closest thing to it now, gotcha. so we were, you know, maybe the, the, the steam of casual games, and by, by casual games that had a very particular, you know, connotation. The steam of the aughts. Yeah, sure, sure, we'll go with that. It's not an it's not exact analogy, but it's not far off.
0: Gotcha. so what were you doing beforehand, beforehand? how did you end up at this this company?
2: I had been uh, contracting and freelancing as a web developer and designer, doing a little bit of both, um, for seven years before that, since, since 2000 leading up to that. And I had worked in a startup before in New York for about three years until they ran out of money. And it was, that was fun. I enjoyed it. Came back to California and uh, was just really determined to kind of try and just do my own thing for a while. And I got married in 2007, uh, and one of the reasons for going back to full-time job was the predictability of knowing exactly how much is going to be uh, ending up in my bank account every two mm-hmm. weeks, uh, as opposed to the freelance contractor kind of roller coaster. So, yeah, so I started, so we got we got married uh, in summer of 2007, came back from our honeymoon, I started looking seriously This uh, The company I ended up at, they were really the first place I interviewed with seriously. I went in, and they just seemed like nice people. Um, Mm -hmm. It was in a nice office, uh, just a couple blocks from where we are recording at this very moment. Uh, Good neighborhood. Uh, And they seemed to like me, and they offered me the job, so I ended up there.
0: Gotcha. What was your your title for that job? When
2: I started there, I was a senior designer. I forget if it was senior designer, senior graphic designer, but basically I was on the marketing team uh, that that was the marketing team slash the site team so we were a games company slash publisher we published more games than we actually developed ourselves and i was not on the game sort of half of the company mm-hmm. in very rough division i was in the marketing uh site half of the company so yeah i, w- I was basically there f- the the so i was basically the the senior site designer yeah gotcha
0: And so uh, how big was the company at this time? A number of people, size of revenue, any funding?
2: I can tell you I know I was employee number eighty-five. I don't, I remember that very clearly. And I one of the co-founders, I remember he said at one point he liked he he was bummed when we went over a hundred because he liked telling new hires that they were more than one percent of part of the company. You know, he really he really had a that, that tickled him. So yeah, I was employee number eighty-five. Uh, I think most of the employees who had started with them were still there. I mean, obviously I don't think there were still a full eighty-five there, but they were close to it. We were we were we we were too big for the office that we were in when I started. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I remember even in the interview was don't worry, we're moving out of this cramped office that has the real kind of traditional cubicle style set up into a nice shiny new place. Um, and I was looking forward to that when I started in terms of revenue, We were not profitable. Uh, I mean, I think like probably most of the people that you will Mm -hmm. talk to on this show. But we were doing okay. At least we would have the all hands. And, you know, we were doing okay. We were on, I I, I don't remember the exact numbers. We were on at least the second, if not the third round of funding. And, you know, I know that it depends on how much you get in Mm -hmm. each round. In retrospect, looking back... Having been on the third round of funding, we probably should have been further ahead than where we were. But we were moving into a new office, you know. They had lots of snacks and drinks. They had a ping pong table. Uh, it seemed like a it seemed like a good place to go.
0: Gotcha. And how did you first hear about this company?
2: I think it was, I mean, again, this was 2007 when I was looking. It was It was probably one of the, the big job sites, if not even Craigslist. I mean, I think back then you could still decently find good, you know, yeah. downtown San Francisco tech jobs on Craigslist. So it was one of those. It was either like Monster or Craigslist, something like that. And I recognized... They had some. They had some legitimate, bona fide hits. They had a very uh, identifiable, you know, main character for one of their games, and I recognized the character in the listing for the company. So it was like, okay, all right, you know, they seem legit. They were legit.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, what were your first impressions when you first got there? Like, what made you excited about like the opportunity?
2: I just you know after being uh independent contractor for seven years before that and mm-hmm. having been in a startup space before uh, I liked the startup vibe it was fun you know I mean it, it's if the, if if the place feels like they're at least on the right trajectory uh, it was it was it was a good environment it was it was it was a lot of uh there was a lot of work, but it wasn't crazy hours. It wasn't crunch time. We weren't working at like you know a a major game studio, you know like a console game studio or anything like that. It was a more relaxed atmosphere. Um, it just I, I I was excited basically just to have a, a cool place to work, pretty much. Yeah, I, I I felt a little bit like an outsider in that I didn't come from the games world, mm-hmm. and a lot of my coworkers did. A lot of my colleagues there. Uh, from all stripes, had worked at game companies before, and, and I hadn't. So I felt maybe a little bit of an outsider.
1: Even the people who were working on the site were games people?
2: Uh, my manager was, and uh, one or two of the other designers. We had a small team. I, it, it was myself and then two, maybe three other designers. But yeah, I mean, I, I probably half the team had, had worked in games in some capacity before. So I, I kind of felt like I just sort of needed to get up to speed a little bit, I guess. But yeah, it, I, can't, I guess all of that to say, I can't say that it was like my dream job to go work for a games company, whereas for a lot of people, that really was. It really was a good place to get a job at, if especially if you wanted to go on to one of the more household name kind of game studios, yeah. Gotcha.
0: Was there anything you wish you knew before you started?
2: I think... It, I, I wish I had really maybe better known the game space at that point because, like, in 2007, 2008, like, looking back now, it was really clear that that was... It was right in the middle, maybe maybe toward the beginning, but certainly it had started of, I don't know, a, a race to the bottom, I guess, in terms of, of games, it just in terms of quality and quantity. Like, it was getting to the point that... Casual games were, were doing fine, and they did great, and we sold. We had a lot of really strong fans, but there was something about the nature of the games that was really easy to replicate, and it was really easy to generate them cheaply and quickly, and they would sell just almost as good as the really high quality ones yeah. that cost a lot more to uh, to generate. So we had a lot of competitors, including our what ended up being our major competitor. You know, sort of over the following three years. Um, who had, I think, more funding than we did, and certainly were willing to put out a lot more games with uh, that were generated a lot quicker than ours and sell them for a lot less, mm-hmm. you know. And I, I think I had, I wish I had maybe recognized what that meant for our company. Gotcha. Because they we weren't able to really uh, compete with it. We them. weren't able to compete with it on on a uh, fast on a fast timescale anyway. Yeah. Gotcha.
0: So you you have your first day. What's the next 30 days look like at this company?
2: The first day, I remember, was... The first day, I, I didn't get much work done. I was one of the first... I, I feel like a diva saying it, and even at the time. I was one of the first, like, Mac people... Um, on the design team. All the other people on the design team used PCs even at that point, which surprised me, even in 2007. So, like, none of the licenses for my software work. So, so I spent most of the first day sitting around waiting for my machine to get uh, set up, and I felt bad about that. Um, but otherwise, aside from that, they kind of just threw me in right away. Um, the first 30 days was a lot of projects, I started, as I say, in January, and, you know, if you work in the games industry, especially in San Francisco, uh, GDC, the Game Developers Conference, is a big, big milestone, and that's in uh, March. Uh, so we were, like, right in the thick of getting all of our PR and marketing stuff and our invites for our parties done. I think the very first thing I worked on was a was an uh, invite, a print, actually a print piece, even though I was part of the site team. It was a print invite for our GDC party that year. So it was fun. I, I like working on print stuff. It had been a while. It was good. It was it was it was very busy. It was a fast pace. And when I was sort of hired to really lead the redesign of their site, like their site had been good enough to kind of get them where they were at that point, and now that they were ready to really kind of relative to that point, move to the next level. Like I was sort of brought on to kind of lead that the site redesign, and and so we were busy, and it, and it was fun. We had a lot of. Uh, uh, we had a lot of autonomy, uh, so and I, I had a lot of freedom to do what I wanted to do, and, and it was good. It was it was a good thirty days. It was busy, but it was fun.
1: Were there any surprises in those first thirty days?
2: I don't think there were. There really weren't. It really went very smoothly. I liked my coworkers and my colleagues there. A lot of them are still some of my you know closer friends. Um, you know the the people who I ended up going on to do my own podcast with. I, I met there. Um, so, there, I, I can't say there were any bad surprises there. No, it was pretty good. It was pretty good first 30 days. And especially, yeah, you know, knowing we had this pending move to the new office coming up, there was a sense of excitement.
1: What was the, what was the original office like?
2: The original office, so we were just over on Montgomery, uh, not far from here. And it was, the, the, the original office was very nondescript. It was just a floor through, um... You know, rental space, cubicles with the carpet f- fabric walls, right. nothing customized, very generic, you know, little half kitchen, uh, one conference room, um, and then a lot of us, everyone was just in cubes, a few offices around the ring, and we were, I remember we were at the point where... The fire marshal had come by, I guess, and told us that the current cubicle configuration was not legal because there were a couple spots where if you needed to, you couldn't get a wheelchair through in the case of an evacuation. So we were were definitely at capacity. The the first office was very, very nondescript and boring. How long were you in that office for? It was only about... Three months, I think. It was really only about three months or so. And then we moved uh, to a a very nice office, new, or at least totally uh, redone out for us to move in. New desks, new chairs, new everything uh, over on uh, Spear Street.
1: Yeah. Was that exciting?
2: It was very exciting. I remember, like, leading up, you know, we were all poring over the seating charts, and you know, managers were asking us, like, "Well, you can't promise anything, but if you, you know, where would you like to sit?" Generally, and uh, we were excited that there were just going to be a lot more just open space. And I ended up getting a seat right by a window. I could look out on the water, on you know, San Francisco Bay, and I could see the bridge. I felt very uh, moving into that new office was great. I felt definitely felt like we were like moving up in the world.
1: Yeah. Were, was there any upgrade in benefits of in terms of like snacks or anything or did that just was it equal in both options? I
2: have to say, you know one of the things that they did right from the very beginning is they didn't skimp on the snacks. They were really good. I think that they you know they they, they took a cue uh, from the very easy wins and including a lot of beer, our founders were, were also. It didn't hurt that the, our founders were good uh, drinkers, uh, so there was always good beer around. Uh, they were never shy about happy hour starting early uh, on, you know, Fridays and things like that. Um, so they kept all the good snacks. The kitchen area was great. It was nice and upgraded. A lot, you know, good drinks, good good stuff to keep us happy. The, the easy stuff to keep us happy.
1: Right. Now for three, you, know, you took this job because you thought I just want a dependable paycheck, but now you're. At least what you described so far—the first three months—you enjoy the project you're working on. You're moving to this nice office. You've got co-workers you like. What were your? Were you starting to be happier that you made this decision, or are you still just like, "Hey, I'm just glad that it's a consistent paycheck"?
2: I was. I was feeling like pretty lucky. I mean, I have to say that it seemed. You know, kind of just like looking at the landscape, I was like, okay, wow, we actually had, in our space, we had a pretty recognizable, you know, game. We had a pretty hit character, and um, it, yeah, I, I was definitely more into that company after I got to just sort of uh, survey it a little bit after a few months. Yeah, yeah, I would say I was more into it.
1: Where was me in the time you are there, what was the peak number of people that worked there?
2: We, yeah, yeah. I mean, and at one point, we even, like, a, like again, like a lot of tech companies, we also started having sort of a satellite set of workers in Ireland, and we had a few other sort of contract studios that we worked with. Man, I mean, maybe 150 people, definitely over 100. I mean, as I say, I remember when, you know, our co-founder uh, lost the ability yeah. to say we reached more than 1%. I don't think we ever reached 200 people, but definitely over 100, um, and we had, you know, there was there was even talk about maybe uh, getting some more space. We eventually, not long before I left, so we shifted. I mean, I don't know what the structure is. We'll, we'll get to the story. Yeah. Yeah. We, we did end up, we ultimately ended up taking over another half a floor in that building. Yeah. Okay.
1: Um, so as the company is growing and it's, you know, you're happy with what we're being there, did it feel like not only is this a good place to enjoy and find work fulfilling, but does it feel like there's going to be a financial payout as, as tech companies often dangle in front of you? Right.
2: Well, we, you know, I did have options or uh, as I and other people call them the imaginary stock. And, you know, this was my second startup job. And the first one that I was at, you know, ran out of money and we all got laid off. And so that was, you know, right out of college. I think that was a good, that was a good lesson for me to learn. Because again, you know, there, there was definitely a point at that job and that job was so strange, that first job, not to get too far afield, but you know, we were an over-the-counter traded stock at that first job. And we all had our options. And there, were, there was a point at which the imaginary value of our options was, you know, $100,000, even for us low-level employees in our 20s, fresh out of college. Now, of course, that all, you know, vaporized and, and turned into nothing. Um, so coming into the second company, I was a little wary. But we had options. And, yeah, it was it was, it was exciting.
1: Um, so there was a mentality more like, oh, if it happens, great, but I'm not really counting
2: on it. I was not counting on it. I, I looked at it as like a lottery ticket. I did. And that was that, I think that kept me sane because the, the sort of the paper value of the options that we had, they, they fluctuated. They did go up you know, pretty wildly and our fortunes did kind of rise and fall. Um, but I, me personally, I was not counting on or expecting a major windfall no it was the, the stability the stability of the job was
1: enough for me yeah were there some of your colleagues really excited about the opportunity of potentially making it big
2: I think so I do think that there were some people there who really thought it was going to happen yeah I really do and not, and not just the founders who maybe you know I mean you want them to be optimistic but yeah I do think there were some people kind of not counting on it but expecting it yeah
1: Right. And founders, obviously, they have to buy into it, because otherwise you wouldn't be found in this company. That's right. So for how, you know, it sounded like the first three months went great. How long was this honeymoon period for then?
2: It, it, so it did, you know, the first thing that made me as an outsider, you know, as I said, like as a self-professed outsider to the games world. So as I mentioned, I started there in 2008. You know, I mean, the first iPhone hit in, what, 2007, I think. So... I I really felt like wow, you know, we should be getting into mobile gaming. Right. You know, now I mean I know I realized in 2019 that seems like a trivially obvious thing to say, <laughs> but I, I do remember thinking in 2008 like wow, it, we had no real plans. It was kind of like, oh well, we'll see, you know. We're we're doing fine with these computer PC right. games. We're charging basically $20, $20 per game and we're, that's fine. We don't need to get into mobile gaming. And, you know, I mean, when I say the race to the bottom, I mean, it, it's a really cynical thing to say, and I, I, there is a lot of cynicism in there. It's also partly just the race to the bottom in terms of price. I mean, this was really, like, when mobile games first started coming out, the idea of somebody paying $20 for a non-console game, like, within a couple of years, that just became laughable, you know? So, I in, 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 well into 2008, when it became... I I don't know. I thought it was clear that yeah, the iPhone is definitely a thing and Here's smart that. smartphones smartphones in general are a thing. We should be getting into mobile gaming. And I noticed that it didn't seem important to it just didn't seem as important to the people making the decisions what kind of games. And I, I kind of in retrospect I was like, that was that was a point at which I think I would say the the, the company's trajectory maybe started
1: to flatten a little bit. So you were sort of questioning were your colleagues was it a common thing where you were all questioning it? Or were you this, you know, <laughs> precog who could recognize what was going to happen in the future?
2: I, I don't want to oversell my precog abilities. Yeah, you know, it's hard. I mean, I it, it's hard to say at the time because, I, as I said, I wasn't on the game dev side of things. And I'm sure that they felt probably more strongly about it than I did on the, the marketing and the site side of things. But, you know, it's hard, I think, too, when... Like when you're on your third round of funding at these companies, you have a lot of other people who you need to satisfy and a lot of other people whose decisions you need to follow. And I, I know sometimes it's hard to move that ship in a, in a really uh, uh, agile way. Um, but we were talking about it, definitely. There were people talking about like, oh, maybe we should be doing this. And we did eventually, but I feel like you know, we didn't, we didn't really put our whole weight behind it and we, and we were a little late and we were chasing a couple other things at the time. We eventually ended up chasing some, you know, the, the Zynga style, like, you know, like Farmville, those, those type of games were starting to get extremely popular. Uh, just face anything tied to Facebook was starting to get really popular, again, you know, into 2010 or, you know, 910, whenever it was that they, you know, really took off. And I just felt like we were kind of following. I think we always had good intentions. I think everybody always had good intentions. There was nobody who was trying to I don't know, sabotage things or push us around. It just didn't it just didn't we just weren't bold enough to, to be on the forefront.
1: Right. So like the leaders were playing it safe in terms of like not saying we're all in on mobile games but like we'll do a we'll do a mobile game here or there, but not putting any kind of big bet on it.
2: I think so. Yeah. It was a little bit of just too much dabbling and a little too conservative probably. Yeah. And and not you know, again, it's easy to say in retrospect, but not recognizing that that the landscape was really radically shifting.
1: So as it was shifting, and, and, you know, I think from 2008 to 2010, that's a huge change in, like, the way the world operated from how mobile phones were adopted. How, when did, like, people start to... You had your initial suspicion, oh, we should get into mobile. When did it start to become obvious, like, oh, this is not we're, – we're on the wrong path?
2: Well, you know, I mean, we, we had a, a really good stroke of uh, fortune, I think, ultimately, in that we were – So we were late to it, but we did get some titles out there with our major, you know, our Mario. You know, like if Mario is Nintendo's, we had our Mario. So we got some titles out there with our Mario, and and we were doing good. And we were asked by Apple to be one of the launch titles for the iPad. So that was 2010. I remember this very clearly. And, And that was actually... That was huge for our company. That was really big to be invited by Apple. you know. And I remember I, I was jealous of like my my, co- my coworkers who were on the game dev side who got to go down and actually go to the compartmentalized room in Cupertino and touch the iPad that was chained to a desk in an air-gapped room, you know, no photos allowed. Um, so that was a big deal. And I, I do still think that was one of the best games that we made. I, I feel like that was one of the best, most well-realized games that we made was that iPad launch title. It's it, it just, as I say, the pricing was starting to shift. We, we didn't put our full weight behind it. So it, we, just, we were just a little bit too late and just not fully committed. We did get there and we had, I can't say we didn't have our opportunities. We, we certainly had our chances, yeah, to really get behind it. But I think we were just spread too thin. We, we couldn't decide, did we want to be make ipad games or make facebook games or stick with our pc download model and we tried to do all of them at the same time and we kind of did all of them not well enough to to really burst through so even the
1: the ipad like launched and help you?
2: Well, it was it worked out well for us at first. It did get us a lot of publicity. It was good. Uh, but I, I, I just don't think we followed it up as strongly as we could have. We ended up getting into just kind of porting over, you know, uh, shovelware versions of some of our other games, you know, which just, uh, you know, a game industry term slightly, you know, not, not, a, not a, a term of praise. It's just taking something from one platform and just doing the minimal amount of work to get it to run on another platform. Taking
1: something with an iPhone game, getting it
2: on Android. or yeah. y- Right, or even worse, taking a PC game designed for a mouse and shoehorning it into the iPad where there, there's no such thing as a hover, you know? I mean, and, and just not really doing the amount of work needed to make it feel like a native game. And And I think we were content to do that, unfortunately.
1: Got it. Now, we'll get more to the demise of of your SaaS grade, but we'll get a little bit more into your day-to-day while things were still going good. Um, you said it wasn't crazy hours how long would you work in a typical day
2: it I it, it was it was a good work environment I would take I live in the East Bay I would take Bart across the bay I would get I would usually get to work by 930 mm-hmm. um, and if I was a little bit late that's okay you know it was no big deal and people would usually start going home around five or 530 and as I mentioned there was ample beer and you know the ping-pong table and uh, a good hangout Central Island place and People would kind of start congregating in the kitchen around five or so. We did a lot of drinking at that job. Uh, Every day or? There were... Almost every day, almost, almost every day, you, you could reliably meet in the kitchen around 5, 5.30, six, have a beer with somebody if you wanted to before you went home. And frequently, we would go out after work. We had a good core. There was a lot of camaraderie at that place, I have to say. So yeah, I mean, our day was over unless there was a big release or a big push for something happening. Our day was 9.30 to 5.30, I would say. You know, I mean, that was my, my team's general schedule. It was really very reasonable.
1: And then we've talked about beer and the snacks. Were there other perks along with that job?
2: Uh, yeah, you know, I'm trying to think. We didn't. We we did not get a lot of swag, uh, which is you know, again, I mean, having been around. This city long enough, and working for another tech company now. Uh, I, I look back, and we were really underswagged compared to what we could have been.
1: Maybe that was the demise of the company.
2: <laughs> uh, it was the food and the drinks, and we would have a, we would have parties and stuff like that. And as I say, you know, our our founders were very convivial uh, 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 founders, and they would often. Take us out for meals or big drinks after we go to the Irish bank was very popular stop for us after work again not too far from where we were recording at this very moment and pick up the tab for everybody. It was it was it was a fun atmosphere
1: were there any events either just like happy hours or meals where you're like oh my god i can't believe the company spent this much money on this
2: We took after we finished after we moved into the new office and after we finished the big site redesign the one that i had you know largely been hired to help lead so you know i guess that was maybe a 4 or 5 month project so we finished that we launched the new site it looked good. Everyone was happy. We took uh, like one of these bay cruises. Um, I think one. Of, I think the Hornblower cruises. Right. I think. Yeah. You know, it's not. It was. It's not the height of luxury, but it's a nice trip. You get dinner. We had an open bar. They take you out on the San Francisco Bay, and they took out. I mean, you know, our entire site team, which was not just my subgroup, but you know, there were probably thirty people that they took out there, and that was a nice little perk. They didn't have to do that. Um, we would go to Giants games occasionally, you know, I mean, it's, I get a little jaded because I do have friends who work for some of these legitimately household name companies and I hear about some of the perks that they get and they're just over the oh, way over the top. So relative to who we were at the time, that was a pretty nice perk. I have to say that, yeah, that was, that was maybe the high point of the, uh, of the, uh, the perks was the, the Bay cruise day to celebrate the site launch. Yeah, that was pretty nice.
1: And in terms of, you know, the site launch, that's a big deal. Was that your biggest accomplishment there?
2: I think it was, yeah. I, I think without without question, that was probably my biggest, my personal biggest accomplishment while I was there, and then maybe my team's biggest accomplishment, yeah. And things started changing a little bit after that, yeah. I mean, the site sort of, the site settled into a steady state, hard to say. Uh, we didn't have a whole lot of major upgrades, or updates or redesigns to the site after that point.
1: So were you, were you just had less work to do then?
2: No, it was just shifted onto other things. You know, I mean, when, you know, again, for example, in 2010, when we were really focused on Facebook, there was a lot of work to be done with tying anything into Facebook and, you know, just as one example. So there were just other things to work on, other endeavors. And as I mentioned, you know, because we were maybe spreading ourselves a little thin, it meant that there were a lot of, uh, you know, Projects to kind of tie the marketing team into, which meant that there was always work for us to do. Um, We were small. I mean, at our peak, we had, I think, four people on my team, maybe five. And eventually, my manager left. uh, And I became the manager of my team. So that was a shift as well. I mean, that was a high point for me as well. It wasn't tied to any one project or anything, though. But that was, yeah, in terms of professional development, yeah. Right.
1: That's a big move going from an individual contributor to a manager. It
2: was, and you know, I, I, I what, what was, what made me feel good at the time was so my manager left, and you know, like a lot of tech companies, we need to move quickly, uh, and my coworkers and my my fellow designers and the people I worked with, they were. I, I was I, I was embarrassed by it. I, I really was legitimately embarrassed. They were very vocal in saying, we want Colin to, to manage the team. We don't want you to bring somebody new in. Mm-hmm. And I, I certainly was not lobbying for that or asking for it, but that that was nice. It was very touching. So, I think management, you know, I, I think they were kind of, on one hand, they're like, oh, that's nice that you think that, but we might want to hire somebody. But they didn't. They gave me the job and they, they trusted our team to do it, and I, I feel like I did a pretty good job.
1: So that was a good, like looking back on the overall experience, you feel like that was a good thing. You got to become a manager to get that experience.
2: Definitely, definitely. And to have, you know, experience hiring people to work under me and, you know, just being one level a little bit higher up and, you know, relatively, not that there were that many levels in the company to begin with, but yeah, it was good to just to get a little bit greater insight into how that works in a tech company in San Francisco in 2010. Right.
1: Did it give you more for, more, more, Um, perspective on how the company was doing?
2: It did. It did in some ways, yeah. Like, it definitely impressed on me. It definitely impressed on me, like, when we had an open position, the pressure of, we need to fill that position ASAP because we have revenue numbers to hit. We have the board breathing down our neck. We don't have the luxury of... Spending sixty days looking for the the, exact right, the exact right person, yeah. So that was just as one example, yeah. I, I definitely, I think, got a little bit better sense of, you know, we all want to 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 hit the rocket ship launch, but some people need the rocket to launch, yeah.
1: Was there? Did you? Were there, was there more pressure on you in that role?
2: There was more pressure on me just in the sense of deadlines. Um, There was, yeah, uh, but creatively, so much of the creative pressure was on the game side of the team. Um, There was more pressure to figure out how to, you know, use Facebook more efficiently and how to get our app store listings looking better and have our app icons more attractive. You know, we were... Like a lot of companies, I think we are kind of just desperate to find, well, maybe not desperate, but we were very eager to find easy wins and you know easy ways to to move the needle, as as the hackneyed yeah. expression goes. So there was there was pressure to try new things, yeah, and and to execute on them quickly, yeah.
1: Was in this in the manager role, did you no longer do any design, or did you still do this design as well?
2: I would still have to do some design, but I definitely did not have as much time to and was definitely more into the supervisory and approval role. My team, we also managed generating uh, the logos... For all of our games, uh, so even though we most of our games, as I mentioned, were, were uh, acquisitions by independent studios, um, we would do the repackaging, including coming up with the final name, final logo, and all that stuff. And I had some very talented artists who I worked with, and so we would handle that part of the process as well. And so, kind of, yeah, part of my job took on you know just art direction of things like logos and overall skins for iPad games, things
1: like that. And you were still, you still felt satisfied with that day-to-day work?
2: It was fun. It, it started, once it started to hit a routine, there were some parts, there, there were definitely some days I would come in and I would feel like, oh, it's another one of these, you know, where we would have maybe a mediocre hit of a game, and I would see sort of us falling into the same pattern of another game that looked like kind of like that mediocre hit. And it, it definitely, you know, some of the shine kind of came off, I would say, when we hit the point where not all of our games would reliably hit. Yeah. That was hard.
1: So let's start talking about the downturn of the SAS graveyard. At, at any point were you thinking, like, oh, should I be getting out of here?
2: I, I really didn't. I really didn't. And... You know, part of it was I, I was never I mean I've had I've had friends who have been at companies where you know the paychecks just mysteriously stopped coming one day and no one really knows why. and I never had anything like that happen. so I, I would never was in fear of my paycheck. Uh, I you know we had laid off some people in some areas before. I was never really in fear of that. I was pretty. I was probably a little complacent. I was probably happy that it was stable enough. And as I mentioned, because I wasn't looking at it as a springboard to another job in the games industry, I wasn't looking for an exit, really. Um, In retrospect, and I don't know, you may even be getting to this, but in retrospect, I, I, I did notice that, huh, a lot of my very talented... Co-workers are leaving mm-hmm. for other companies uh, and bigger companies or maybe companies that have, you know, a larger but an earlier round of funding or things like that.
1: Were there conversations like before they left with them saying, like, oh, I got to get out of here, or, like the company's going down or was it just, they just left and you were a little surprised?
2: I, maybe I just was not trusted enough or I was too clueless but I was surprised by most of the people leaving I really was most of the people leaving caught me by surprise but after a time I started to be like okay yeah that sounds about right yeah you know this person wants to go work for Blizzard and work on World of Warcraft I mean I can't blame that person you know that's a much bigger deal than here yeah you know those kind of things but yeah I I, 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 I don't know I, I, I probably uh, maybe uh, should have realized a couple that I didn't
0: was there any major leadership changes going on during this time when things started to go a little bit downhill?
2: Yeah, there were. Our our board... Um I mean, I certainly wasn't in the meetings, but our founding CEO left. Let me put it that way. And I, it's voluntarily, or n- you know, no, I don't think so. I don't think I. I think very few founding CEOs want to leave their company before it becomes a major hit. Um, and I think that was probably you know hard. Uh, but I think the board and the investors uh, really they needed a change, and we were starting to lose a lot of ground. Uh, we had to go for another round of funding, which we got, you know. So that was either four or three, depending on my memory. Again, you don't necessarily want to be in your fourth round of funding, you know, if you don't have to. Um, they So they changed the leadership. They brought in a new CEO. And that was definitely a big change where I was starting to think, for, maybe for the first time, like, oh, okay. I should at least mentally prepare myself for the fact that, I might just get laid off with no notice. It—that's it, a possibility now. When when the founding CEO is asked to leave, yeah. They could ask anyone. They could ask anyone to leave. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And and things definitely started to change then. And we and we did make some more bold moves at that point. But I think it may have been a little bit too late.
1: Did the culture change as well with
2: the news? It the culture did change. Yeah, the culture changed. You know, I felt that we started to get. You know, whatever groups you were sort of in before, you kind of ended up sort of solidified in those groups. Like, we, we had a major new hiring wave uh, to really support our major new endeavor. Uh, we were really trying to get into Facebook games, you know. And so they hired, I, I mean, they probably hired at least 20 or 30 people just for that endeavor alone. And But those people really, it was almost like, you know, they were almost... They, they were all great people, and, and we were all friends with all of them, but there was definitely a sense that they were, like, the phase 2.0 of the company, and everybody who was there before was the phase 1.0, you know? Not like they were privileged or we were privileged, but just that it was different. Yeah, different right. flavors, different flavors of the company.
1: They were You were on the wrong side of the track, so they were on the wrong side of the track. Okay. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it was the, the culture changed. It did. And I, I noticed that, uh, you know... Uh that team definitely worked longer hours. That team worked hours a lot more in line with some of the more uh, big name game companies of, of that time, you know, uh, and certainly from what I heard sort of through the industry you know, we were starting to, in a bad way, starting to catch up with some of the longer hours and more crunch time projects. There was definitely more crunch time at our company.
1: And so that was hitting you as well, longer hours?
2: A little bit, a little bit, just in the sense that, you know, being on the marketing side, we had to be more reactive, you know, and sometimes we had to get something together on a very short time scale, yeah.
1: So as... You, know, you, you mentioned the, the, your first thought, of like, oh, this could happen to me. I could potentially be laid off. Were you thinking of leaving on your own or?
2: So I have to say that with the change in being made a manager uh, and then uh, maybe, I don't know, maybe one year after that or not even that long, you know, the time scale is hard to remember. Eight months, nine months after that, When it was starting to become clear, I think, that there were a lot of talented people leaving the company, Uh, and it was a chore to replace people in the middle of, you know, it's hard to fix the plane while you're flying, and they gave a bunch of people some raises, and they gave me a raise. I think, I mean, they were pretty upfront about it. I think they wanted to prevent me starting to look around and be like, you know, forget this, I'm out of here. And I was happy to take the nice increase in salary. I was. I was. I. I decided. I decided they're gonna have to lay me off. Like I remember. I remember when I got that second. When I got that not insubstantial uh, raise. I remember thinking to myself, "They're gonna have to lay me off. I'm not leaving." Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it just because, like, did you expect a package or just because, like, oh, the is good, I'm just going to melt it for every, every drop I can get?
2: More of the latter. I was not expecting a package. I mean, I, I understand, you know, where it's, you know, it, everything is at will. I, I know that anything they gave me was just going to be out of the, the goodness of their heart. They weren't obligated to give me anything. So I wasn't counting on it. Um, but I was happy to, yeah, I was happy to write it out. I was happy to write it out. Um, and...
1: Did you ever have to lay anyone off?
2: <sighs> no. Luckily I didn't. Luckily I never personally had to lay anybody off. My team was always very lean. I did I did in the course that I was there, I saw every, so everyone that I started with by the time I left was gone. So when I when I started there, I was hired into a team of 3 designers and one manager. My manager left, one of the other designers left, the other designer left. So and then I had hired some people in. so basically I, yeah, I saw the entire my entire team, including my media manager, had turned over um, by the time I left. yeah but not
1: you you didn't have to do any of it.
2: I didn't have to do any of it. They all left of their own accord, yeah, luckily <laughs> in retrospect.
1: So I feel like we should go now to you you finally being shown the door or getting laid off. Like how were you starting to suspect this is coming or?
2: I was so we we you know when we when we really shifted gears trying to just really have a big hit with the the Facebook game um, and it was starting to become clear we were just you know we were behind schedule I just don't think we had the traction there we had a lot of good people working hard we were just we had just too much ground to make up and too too short of a time to get there. Um, and I saw people. You know, we started having some layoffs, and I, I remember kind of mentally preparing myself for it. But I was still surprised when it happened. And again, I've learned enough about the industry and just you know companies in general to realize like if you're going to have a mass layoff, you do it at the end of December. You do it before the new year starts, and you have to get you know all the benefits packages, and you got to you know. And you know,
1: we can have like a clean start. Yeah. Yep.
2: Yeah. So there was a there was a pretty substantial wave of layoffs that I was part of and I, I was a little surprised when I showed up to work on whatever day it was and they're like, Oh hey, can we can you just kind of pop in a meeting room real quick, Colin? And I was like, uh-oh. Was, that your, was that your
1: manager asking? Or a-
2: it, was my, it was my immediate manager uh, at the time, yeah, who was sort of a quasi-manager because our in-between manager had left for another job at that point. Like, people were starting to leave, and I think that the company wisely recognized, rather than drip, 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 let's just really cut lean here. Uh... I should also mention that at this point, we had now brought in a third CEO. Um, so the second CEO who that we had brought in um, had also, you know, left, been asked to leave, shifted direction.
1: How long have they lasted?
2: <sighs> maybe a year. Yeah, maybe a year at that point. Um, and so... There was a pretty big wave, a wave of layoffs there at the end, yeah, in that last December. Um, and I was a little surprised at first, but it made sense. And then I came back to my desk and saw everybody else who was packing up all their stuff, and it really cut across the entire company. I mean, I saw people from every department really kind of being um, that was their last day, basically. Right. Yeah.
1: Did you get any package?
2: We did. We did. They gave they gave us a very nice package. It was, I think, a month. A month's salary, which was pretty good. I was happy with that. Maybe even a little bit more. Um, and, of course, you know, we'll give you a nice letter. We'll vouch for you that, you know, we're not going to mess with your unemployment. You know, anything like that. They were as cool as they could be. I think all factors uh, taken into consideration. Yeah, they did not have to give us a month's salary. Maybe even a little bit more. But it was good. It was okay. We all went out drinking at the uh, bar across the street. Um, and that was the end of that work day. Yeah. So it
1: happened at the start of the day or at the end of the day? It
2: was the start of the day. And did it, you start
1: drinking immediately after, or do you have to stay through the day?
2: Oh, no, no. I mean, you know, it's, I mean, at, at any tech company, you know, these days, there's so many other contingent things. Like when you lay somebody off, you've got to close down their email account, you've got to shut down their access to the shared server, and you've got to do all these other things that make your job virtually impossible at a digital company. So, you know, without access to my email or the shared drive, yeah, no, I mean, my day was over. Yeah, we started drinking, I think, at 1130. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and well until uh, the evening.
1: Cool. Um, so now looking back, how do you feel about the experience? Are you glad that you stayed there as long as you did?
2: I am glad I stayed there as long as I did because it, it, it did give me a good chunk of time. I did learn a lot while I was there. Um, I As I say, I was, you know, I my, my career to date has been sort of punctuated by startups and then six or seven years of doing contracting, freelancing, kind of alternating in that rhythm. So it, it felt like it was about right. It had been three years. I was trying to be philosophical about it. Um, I, I think it was good. I, I, I'm glad that I I'm I glad that I made them lay me off. Let me put it that, I don't wish I had left earlier. I was happy to take the, the increase in salary. I wish I had been there a little bit longer to get a little bit more money.
1: <laughs> and you, you went into to freelance after that?
2: I did. I went back into freelancing contract work for again for about another seven years after that yeah yeah, yeah
1: um, you just didn't want the steady paycheck at that point or I I was I,
2: my, I was determined to see if I could go back to um, a higher level of the work I was doing before and I, and I was able to Go back and charge more for the work I did, and be a little choosier with the work I with the work I took on. And I was I was lucky enough that I through through my job there, I was lucky to have a couple connections I made for some good clients afterwards. So I, I can't say it didn't work out. Yeah, if I hadn't been at the company, I wouldn't have been able to then follow up afterwards. So it worked out. All things considered, it worked out pretty well. And the company they got sold or they got bought. They you know they 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 cut to the bone. I think they brought in the second CEO. Their goal was to turn the company around. And when it became clear that that wasn't going to happen, when the third CEO came in, I think, this is my speculation based on being there and talking to people since then, I think the goal was to find the best possible exit for everybody who has a financial stake in this concern. And they did. I mean, they, they laid off a lot of people. They closed down, I think, the projects that were not really showing fruit and they tried to find a seller and they did they sold the company for you know several million i I, i'm sure less than what their original goal was back in the high flying days but the the company still exists it's it's a name i mean at this point it was bought by a larger company in in that game world um but there are, there are people who I worked with who are still there. Not many. Um, but, yeah, it's, you know, like a lot of these companies, the value is the IP, is the intellectual property. And we were at that point where I, I, really, I really think the only reason – well, I shouldn't say that. I really think a major reason that the company wasn't just totally shut and closed was because we had a lot of valuable uh, IP and games that, that would make money for somebody
1: and when you le- when you left did you have options that you could have exercised
2: i did have options that i could have exercised but i was like man no way like having been having been through a startup that went down with literally nothing to show uh, once And seeing where this company was, you know, even though, I I mean, on the day I was laid off, I didn't know that there was a sale, you know, coming sometime soon after that. But I was not about to write a check for $10,000 to the company to buy this imaginary stock that I still wasn't even fully vested in. I mean, no, there was no way I was going to do that. And in retrospect, I, I made the right decision. It would not have made me
1: any money even though it sold your shares have been underwater
2: yes 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 that's right and I and I do feel bad I did have some colleagues who left and did buy out their options um that became worthless essentially um they happen to be people who went on to very high paying jobs so they're okay I'm not crying for them but no I, I did not I did not buy my options yeah and I'm glad I did not
1: Um, you still keep in contact with people
2: that you knew from, I do, I do. Yeah. Some of them, as I say, are my closest friends. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was good. It, It was, I, it was a very unusual bringing together of people. And I think that we, a lot of my colleagues there, we all said that at one point or another is like, wow, it really, you know, for whatever the faults the company at large had, they had a lot of really good, cool, hardworking, smart people there. Um, and we made a lot of good friends there. Yeah.
1: Has your experience there colored like how you how you act at your current job?
2: It definitely it definitely has made me more cynical, yeah. Which maybe is a good thing, I guess. You know, I I I, I again at my current company, which I'm very happy at. I've not been there very long, um, but they are making money. They're profitable, uh, which is a good thing to say. But I still, uh, you know. I I still I think my day to day salary uh, is is a given, and I take that more than the options I have. Mm-hmm. I look at it again; it's the startup lottery ticket, right? And and if it pays off, great, wonderful. And if it doesn't, okay. Yeah,
1: right, you weren't you weren't counting on it. You can still feed your family.
2: That's how I'm looking at it. Yeah, and I'm definitely yeah I, I, yeah.
1: Cool. You have any more or? No, I think
0: I think that wraps up. Colin, thank you so much for your time.
2: I'm happy to come join you guys. It's great to kind of stroll down the lane here. I, My, my old office was actually just a, a block and a half from where we're recording. I walked by on the way over here just to kind of try and get in the right headspace.
1: Steven, what was your big takeaway from today?
0: I love the mentality of, I was going to work there until they laid me off. No reason to get worked up over things. Double leadership changes, competitors undercutting you, poor business strategy could be an emotional roller coaster. Instead, Colin understood that a job is a financial transaction. He was making more than he ever had, and he was going to milk it for
1: every last drop. And to top it off, he still got a little severance at
0: the end. That's right. We've now had two straight shows where employees at a SaaS graveyard found a way to benefit despite what was going on at the company. Colin, financially, and Jess, in the last episode, gained good professional experience.
1: Jake, what struck you? Yeah, both of our guests have an overall positive view of their time at a SaaS graveyard. In addition to financial or professional gains, both mentioned how they have friends from these companies years after leaving. They've looked back at their time at the SaaS graveyard positively, in part because of the personal connections. Which is interesting, because when you interview at a company, you can't know who you'll enjoy hanging out with. The people you wind up hanging out with probably weren't even on your interview loop. And yet your lasting impression of the company is based on those friendships. I agree, that's a
0: great takeaway. Well, thanks for joining us today and stay tuned for our next episode.